Everybody said amen this morning. Amen. Well, I believe the trumpet has sounded. Amen. Uh, you can go ahead and be seated. Let me enjoy the music this morning. Uh, enjoy the special. Amen. Praise God. Bring them up in the way they should go, and when they get old, we'll have to go after them. <laughs> Amen. How many is enjoying this warm weather we got? How many knows that you're in hell now? That's a fact. You're living in hell now. And uh, we're just like the souls in prison down there when Jesus comes. We're waiting for him to take us out of this realm of the lost. Amen. I want to look at a subject this morning. It's number, kingdom number 24. And I, I titled it on your notes, The Double Cure of Calvary. But first we want to look at the salvation of the soul and the healing of the body. It's a double cure of Calvary, but it's more than a double cure. But that's how they call it, the dual atonement. Salvation of the soul, healing of the body. But I want to bring in the thought of limited atonement. Limited atonement. We're not universalists. Although when we preach atonement to what we believe to be the bride of Jesus Christ, we put no limits on it. For the elected of God under the blood is absolutely perfect. There's no sin laid to your charge. And the reason why was that basically your name was in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Jesus come and gave his own blood to redeem the book. To call every name on the book. And when the names on the book are called. We know according to Revelation 10, 1 to 7. He comes down to earth with the open book. And what I want you to understand now. I know people in the message don't like to study. But the open book represents to us symbolic of the Feast of Tabernacles. Because the Feast of Tabernacles is a combination of three feasts if I can remember them. It's the Feast of Trumpets to gather the people. The Day of Atonement when the high priest goes in and sprinkles the blood seven times for the sins of the nation, for the people, and for the priest himself. And if he comes back out, then the sin is covered for one year. There's nothing laid to the charge of God's people or the people of Israel for one year. So we see the covering was, atonement was a covering to protect the people that they go walk in the presence of God with a covering, which was the blood of bulls and goats until Jesus Christ himself came. So let's look in the Philippians 2 verse 5 to 11. Uh, this lesson may be a little tough on us, but just listen and don't let the enemy talk to your mind to try to convince you that you are not what the Word tells you that you are. Now remember the battle that you're warring is basically the devil talks to your mind 99 and 9 tenths of the time. That little voice that's always there most of the time is the devil. Every now and then God will show up and you say, well, that's God talking to me. Or when you read the scripture or hearing the word of God, that's the Lord. Anything else is basically the human spirit, which is controlled by that nature you was born with, which is your own personal devil. The atonement is to kill that devil. 
Now, we have to come to the complete seven feasts of Israel for to consummate the steps to immortality to finish God's purpose. God wanted his sons to be immortal. He showed after the fall, he showed by the tabernacle of Moses. Therefore, then he showed by the feast of Israel. And every one of those steps in the tabernacle and every feast represented a step or a stage that man must go through to come to the presence of God into immortality. The seventh feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, which was the last feast of which we are worshiping God under now, according to the prophet in Feast of the Trumpets. I'll put it in your notes. And we will be under that Feast of Tabernacles through the seventh day called the Millennium. There is where the prophet placed us at the present time. Knowing that, he could say the Feast of Pentecost is over or the Pentecostal age is over. Because if you have gone through the Pentecostal feast and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the revelation of the atonement that your sin is absolutely gone, atoned for, eradicated, period, now you're resting under the tabernacles or little booths, totally protected by God, your provisions, your life, your body, your soul, your mind, you're under total protection until glorification sets in. There is where the bride is sitting now. So remember when Brother Bram said the baptism of the Holy Ghost runs out, or the Pentecostal age is over, we must understand who and what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is and who it's for, what it accomplishes, and when it does accomplish that, then it's done as far as the world is concerned. No more. All right? So I want to look at this morning on the limited atonement not that the atonement has any limits of what it does for you, but there's a limited atonement of who it covers. Now, there's two worlds in existence all the time. We preach serpent seed and we preach the seed of Adam. All in Christ or all in Adam died. Now, remember, we've always said Cain was not in Adam. He was in the serpent. So, therefore, all in Adam died and all in Christ is made alive. Therefore, all of Adam's seed will come in redemption in one section or another. Remember, at the end now, there's two sections called the church, and then there's an elected bride. Both of them are under the protection of the atonement as far as the book is concerned. But one is in the book of life, and one is in a special section called the Lamb's book of life. One will change to immortality, and one will go through the tribulation. And Brother Branham said the Pentecostals, Go through the tribulation because they will not accept the atonement in its fullness. They want to put something with it. Every time you're saved, that you've got to do, do, do everything you add to the atonement to make you perfect is bringing and weakening the blood. And you're saying that it's not sufficient to keep you saved, that you're helping God to keep yourself saved by what you do and not do. Most people now rest in their own works and their own religious actions. Nothing will atone for sin outside of the blood of Jesus Christ, period. Now, there's character, there's relationship, there's all those things. But the only thing that removes or remits sin is the blood. And to you, identifying with that 
remits sins to you by faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what we're looking at. The limited atonement or the double cure of Calvary. Philippians 2, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus had a purpose. Jesus had an understanding who he was. And he knew he was sent by the Father to remove the sin of the world. What did Jesus come for? To redeem the fallen sons of God. No one else. He didn't redeem the Pharisees and the serpent seed and whatever more. Chapter, John chapter 8. You're of your father the devil. He did not come to shed his blood for those. Now the problem exists that when, if we preach whosoever will, then we got a problem like, well, who is it for and who is it not for? And then people say, well, how do I know that it's for me? So therefore, if I come, what, what's going to happen to me? What if I'm not in that special class? Will it work for me? All right, that's what we want to look at this morning. But you must understand not one son of God or daughter of God will fall or fail to miss heaven. It's impossible. So you have an assurance now that this blood atoned for you and by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is a seal that you absolutely accept the blood as your atonement, you will make it. Okay? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It's not the shedding of the blood that redeems you or pays the price. It's the shedding of blood to the point of death. He could have shed his blood. They could have caught it in a, in a bucket and washed themselves in. It wouldn't done them any good at all. Shedding of the blood to the point of death. Death is the key because death released the soul from the body and the soul was the offering or the sacrifice that paid the ransom. Therefore, his soul becomes sin that your soul can become righteous. All right. Jesus paid a price that no one else could pay. All right. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him. He resurrected him and placed him up on the throne. He, uh, and given him a name which is above every name. Now we looked in, in Hebrews that Jesus' inheritance as a son was a name. His name was actually the name of God. Because he said, I come in my Father's name and you receive me not. And he come as Jehovah Savior, Jesus Jehovah Savior. Because God told his parents what to name him. And gave him his own name. So God is his father. Jesus has his father's name. Receiving his father's name, he received half of the father's kingdom. Now remember, we're only joint heirs of, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, the son of God. So we get a part of his inheritance that we call his body or his bride. What our inheritance is, is also the authority of the name. 
We are called Mrs. Jesus Christ. You've got to understand that the name Jesus, let's read here, which has given him a name which is above every name. That's cancer, tumor, heart trouble, whatever name that you want to put on every demon, every power, every principality. The name of Jesus is above that name. And that name or that demon or that power must bow. In other words, give up its authority, give up its position when the name of Jesus by faith is pronounced over that problem. All right. So that at the name of Jesus, watch, every knee uh, should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Why in heaven? That's where sin started. Things in earth that come down to the garden. And things under the earth is when they went down to the lower regions. So Jesus' name covers all three dimensions. And remember, even those went to prison called paradise in the lower regions, Jesus come to set the captives free. Therefore, the name of Jesus absolutely represents total deliverance, total freedom from every sin, every devil, and all that Adam lost in the garden. All right. And that every tongue. Now, here's where the key. I keep repeating over and over and over. Every tongue should confess. All these things will do you not one ounce of good until you confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, that word Lord there means master over the house. That does not mean Elohim or Adonai, God. It means that he is the master. He's the ruler. He's the head of the family. He's the head of the wife. He's the head of the body. Watch to the glory of God the Father. In other words, this is the expression of what God wanted. And Jesus was the key to carry it out. And at the end time when we resurrect, we are the very glory and image of the eternal purpose that God had from the beginning. And we are at that stage now. Where we're in the seventh age, Laodicea, where the church is put, or Jesus is put out of the church. This is the age of total darkness. Jesus has been put out of the churches. Therefore, they have been indicted as prostitutes, harlots, serpent seed, outside of the economy of God, with the judgment of the white throne or the lake of fire. So anything to do with that which is judged has a penalty to go with it. All right, we can get real sticky on that, but watch. So we've been looking at the what we call the healing promise, and healing was absolutely before the law. Healing was before the atonement. Therefore, we should expect healing after the atonement but we understand the source of healing was the atonement or the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that healing was in the atonement. We must also understand that we are living in the day of the living Christ. Revelation 10.1 has been fulfilled. If we put the pictures on the wall, as most churches, we could put, to, put uh, point to some picture or some image to realize what we're talking about. But the cloud in Arizona represented the wig one of Revelation 10.1 coming now with 
the open book in his hand. In other words, if the book is open, everything in the book is now ready to be redeemed. They are on earth to be redeemed. The book has come to its climax. And time shall be no longer delayed until those takes the resurrection and the rapture. You say, well, we've been looking at that for quite a few years. It hadn't been 15 seconds according to God. Or two minutes, really. This is where we're at. And it makes us no difference if we stay in our condition for another 50 years. Waiting for the hat to put on the table or the nations to come to his place. We are under the protection of Almighty God. Having received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The revelation of our atonement. The remission of our sins. Which should reveal to us that we were predestinated sons and daughters of God. That we never was. Our soul never sinned in the beginning. We were sold into bodies represented by Adam. We was delivered out of bodies represented by Jesus Christ. And now without revelation we are sons and daughters of God. Waiting to be manifested on this earth by a confession. A confession. Everybody is trying to preach conduct, dress and what are more. To let everybody know how holy this church is or my church is and what are more. That does not represent your position with God at all. Now, well, Brother Gray, what if we come in here with bobbed hair, painted up, what are more, and uh, look like a bunch of Jezebel? That would identify that, that you're not married to Christ. So it looks like it's pro and con, but that's the honest truth. The open book of Revelation 10, 1 to 7 and the Feast of Tabernacles, which I said most people won't study the tabernacle or the feast because they say, well, that's to Israel. But we are represented under those feasts. For 2,000 years since the writing of Paul, we have actually been under the Feast of Pentecost for 2,000 years or seven Sabbaths. There's 50 days between the Feast of Pentecost and the Feast of Trumpets. Pentecost means 50. Brother Branham used that 50 as seven Sabbaths or seven church ages, bringing us right back under the Feast of Pentecost, restoring the original revelation of the atonement, placing us in the Feast of Tabernacles as the finished bride of Christ, the perfect man. You say, where are you placing us? I'm placing us where Brother Branham placed us as absolutely with our garments washed. We have already been before the judgment seat of Christ, the judge. We have been found not guilty. We are waiting for the catching away going to the marriage supper. You say, what's in between? I don't know of anything in between. Except the waiting. Watch. So the Feast of Tabernacles is known as the Feast of the Open Book. That's what it's called in Israel, the Feast of the Open Book. The problem with the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Pentecost, which Jesus come on the Feast of Tabernacles making himself known. We read the story in John. He said, go on down. I'm not going to this time. Then he went on down and made himself known and on and on. The Jews did not accept 
the Feast of Tabernacles, but they come under the Feast of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The people in this message for the last several years have been preaching back to Pentecost. If I preach to you, we've got to go back to Pentecost. What I'm saying is you must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Every one of us to reach the Feast of Tabernacles must have been born again or received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You are not going to come under the seventh feast or the rest of God without the baptism of the Holy Ghost giving you a revelation of your perfection before God so you can have the confidence and the rest that you're resting under the presence of what we're calling the perusia of Jesus Christ himself. All right. So what the problems had, the Jews started this all off because they rejected Jesus, the Word made flesh, they rejected Him as the Messiah, which means that He was to give His life as a sacrifice to atone them from the law of Moses to make themselves perfect in the eyes of God. Human sacrifice that is foreign to the Jews. They still do not believe it. They still will not accept it. Most religions are repulsed at what we call human sacrifice to appease God. And if you get to thinking about it, that Jesus required a human sacrifice to appease him, that we, if we accept this human sacrifice, that we could be justified before him. That's hard for most people to accept. But Jesus absolutely become the perfect sacrifice and the answer for sin. The problem with the Jews and also now in this age with the church, that when the Word became flesh, in other words, what the Scriptures prophesied, and told Israel that the Messiah would come as an offspring of David, the Bible has told the church in this last hour, when it's in the condition of Noah, the condition of blindness, that God would appear in human flesh again. And that he would send us Elijah the prophet. And he would come down and make himself known to us. And manifest the same ministry in human flesh as he did to Israel. In other words, he'd given the Gentiles the same presentation of himself. The word made flesh. And placed us on the condition are receiving the word in flesh or rejecting the word in flesh. That's the reason why a lot of ministers absolutely grind into the point that you must receive the prophet. That is true in a sense because unless you see the word manifested in flesh, you cannot find yourself in the scripture to understand where you're at and recognize your day and its message. If you didn't know where you was at, and go to a Pentecostal church, you'd probably be talked into coming to the altar this morning, praying to speak in tongues and let you know you got the Holy Ghost. That is a false doctrine. So how do we know? What must we do? Where, how do we get under this atonement? How do we know that we're under it? Watch now. So when we see the fulfillment of the types, and Brother Brown was a typologist, I am not. I'm basically, I basically plagiarized what the Bible said, what Paul said, what James said, and what Brother Branham said, period. I do not have a personal revelation. 
You can get the same thing I get by reading it and putting it down. If you spend enough time, you can pick it out and put it down because I have no thoughts of my own. This is not a private revelation. This is absolutely what a prophet said, what the Scripture says, and what God has proven to be true. All right? So all I'm doing is plagiarizing the prophet. And knowing being under the prophet, how many knows that we become prophetic? Because we take on the same spirit of the prophet, and we become little Messiahs anointed with the same message. Come on. And we'll come to the same spirit, having the same voice, with the same name. This is Jesus, right? So what we want to understand that God gave Moses the tabernacle, and we preached it years ago. Some young people hadn't heard it because we preached it back in the 70s and 80s real strong. He gave the tabernacle, and every step through the tabernacle shows you the step that a believer will go through until he reaches immortality. No one was allowed beyond the second veil in the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. How many remembers that saying? Holiest of all is here where the Ark of the Covenant is. Uh, there was Aaron's rod in there. Paul actually placed the golden censer in there, in which the Old Testament does not place it in the holiest of all. He places it in the uh, inner court. And we went through a subject, three subjects on the golden censer to show how Paul placed it in the holy place and what it means to us. And we'll get to it again if, we, if the Lord leads that way. Then you had Aaron's rod that budded. And the high priest had to go into the holiest of all one time a year. And he had to take blood, take his finger, and he sprinkled the blood seven times. Showing that there will be seven church ages covered by the blood. In the holy place or the inner court here where the candlesticks are representing the church ages. The golden censer was here in the table of showbread. The high priest picked up the, uh, show, eat the showbread, picked up the golden censer, which was uh, uh, had incense in it. And then he entered into the perusia or the presence of God by the blood. No one was allowed in that place except the high priest. It was death. Now the fulfillment of those types is every believer must enter in past the second veil. You've got to come through the church ages, then the church ages, the candlesticks. Then there's a veil open which we call the seals that allowed us to enter into the holiest of all that we're calling the appearing or the presence of God. You're in the very presence of God and there is a message or a manna in there. That never spoil that we eat of and partake of to glorify our bodies. Now remember that revelation or manna is only in the holiest of all. You cannot come to immortality unless you go into the holiest of all. Into the presence of Almighty God and partake of this hidden manna. All right. So these very steps to perfection, and perfection actually typed and spoke of God's eternal purpose. God wanted a family of immortals ruling and reigning here on earth. Adam would eventually come to immortality. How long it would take, we do not know, but we know that that was God's original purpose. And we speak so what? All of Adam's children would also come to immortality. Now, 
the Jews did not recognize or they would not accept. Here's the whole key. They would not accept Jesus as the atonement in its perfection. They only took it as a covering, which that was their type, depending on what they do, keeping of the law, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, to gain favor with God under the covering. Sounds just like a Baptist sermon, doesn't it? Sounds just like a Pentecostal sermon today, too. Sounds just exactly what the message people preach every Sunday. So we understand the fall and the permissive will. At the fall, they were naked. They hid themselves. So we see God killing a lamb, taking the skins by the shedding of the blood, and covering Adam and Eve's nakedness. So the permissive will of God was the shedding of blood to cover them, to give a veil or a layer of protection between God and the sinner. He looked at their, through the blood, and it covered their nakedness. So he had a relationship through the blood as a permissive will, but it was not perfect. It was not perfect. So we saw last week, Leviticus 17, 11, tells us why blood was necessary. And we could go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and the serpent seed and the fall of Adam and Eve and whatever more to find out that it was in the blood. Leviticus 17, 11 tells us, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement, a covering of protection. A covering of protection for your souls. Now what is it for? The souls. For it is the blood that maketh the atonement for the soul. If the blood is only potentially made an atonement, then there's something that you have to do to bring it into effect. If the blood was a perfect atonement and sin was removed and eradicated, absolutely gone before God, then the atonement in its reality would be the total answer to every problem man has. If the blood removes sin from me and God sees me as righteous and holy, then we don't have a problem. But remember, atonement was only to cover over or to remove God's problem from you. See, the atonement means reconciliation. Now, to be reconciled, you usually have two people that's in the problem. Now, I know wives, your husbands is the only problem you got. But remember, there's only two sides to the coin. Amen? Boy, it gets awful quiet. So are everybody doing all right? Okay. So if you've been married over 30 minutes, you understand that there's two sides of the coin. And one side always says the other side is wrong. That side said, no, I'm heads and you're the tails. No, he said, I'm the tail and you're the head. There's always two people involved. Now, if I get reconciled to my wife, I'm satisfied. She said, forgive me. I forgive her. The satisfied is gone. I'm reconciled. But how many knows a woman is a little bit like an elephant? 
they never forget the hamburger that I didn't bring when my daughter was born. You mean after 45 years of marriage, we're still hanging on to that hamburger? She hasn't been reconciled yet. Isn't that right, Mom? I said, how many other things in there that I need to be reconciled from? Don't ask. Because they got a list. Praise God. Amen. So although God is reconciled, the problem is man is not reconciled. Paul said we were enemies of God in our minds. In other words, we got another view of God and our problem than God's view. Would you think if God was satisfied by the sacrifice of Jesus that you were perfect, why wouldn't we want to confess I'm perfect by the blood? Why are we still enemies with God in our minds? I better not do that. God, see, it's the law. It's that old human nature still not baptized with the Holy Ghost yet because the baptism of the Holy Ghost will kill that old nature that you will be satisfied of redemption by the blood and you will accept it and confess that it's done in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the souls. Now watch. Ezekiel, what, 18.4 says, All souls are mine, saith the Lord, and the soul that sinneth shall surely die. The soul that rejects atonement will surely be destroyed. Now, we're talking about atonement for the soul. Most people is interested in the atonement for the body now, which I understand that. But if I can get your soul under the blood, atoned for, and God bears witness to your faith in the blood by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I won't have to worry too much about your body. Because we are absolutely prosper and be in health in the body and spirit as we prosper in the soul. And the only way the soul can prosper is take the Word of God exactly as it has been revealed and vindicated to be true as actually the Word of God to me personally. When that prophet said, I never sinned in the first place, I can look everywhere and see, praise God, I don't know whether he's talking to them or not. But the important problem is, is he talking to me? Will I take the vindicated word of a prophet, which is God manifested in flesh, the same as Jesus was, as my authority to believe in? That's the reason he said nothing outside this message will come to life. Take this message for your healing. In other words, if I take this message for my healing, I have to believe that by the blood I have been made perfect before Almighty God. 
Because as long as I got guilt and condemnation in my mind, it will create diseases and problems of my body and my spirit. It will perplex and bring all these inner problems of emotion, and I'll never become to perfection or come to a true healing or deliverance. So we're looking at that dual atonement or limited atonement. So Leviticus tells us the blood that maketh the atonement for the soul. Now remember your triune being. If the blood makes an atonement for the soul, what about the spirit and then the body? Are you telling me that the soul can be redeemed and the body be sick? Yes. Can I be redeemed and go into rapture with a sick body? Well, not if you change, you won't. And the Feast of Tabernacles was a latter rain or an outpouring, which speaks of another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. To make every person in the little booth or in that position absolutely perfect and totally healed before the seventh day or the millennium. You're going into the seventh feast or the honeymoon, so to speak, in an immortal body. And that is upon us now. That's where we're at as far as our day is concerned. So when we speak of the atonement for the soul, we understand that under the seventh seal. Is it all right if we teach the Sunday school class this morning? Under the seventh seal, especially the breach message, there's seven messages in there. Under the breach, God has simply said, then the breach. We found that sin dropped into the blood of Jesus Christ. It's like an ink dropped in. It's absolutely eradicated and no more. It's gone. It's not just placed over here to be brought back into remembrance by God. It's absolutely removed. Therefore, redeemed under the seventh seal, Means that he has totally purchased. He has totally redeemed. He has totally paid the price for soul, spirit, and body. So the blood is for what? Sons and daughters of God. Those who were ordained to eternal life. The Bible said those that are ordained to eternal life believed. Those that are not ordained to eternal life had problems with Jesus. So the atonement is not universal that it covered the devil, Hitler, and everybody else. It covered those whom God foreknew. Because the Bible said God knows his own. It covers those whom God foreknew in perfection. Perfection. Fullness. Finished. Amen. How many sees yourself in that condition? <laughs> we're there but we don't hardly see ourselves there amen when you look in the mirror how many sees gray hair and wrinkles all the some of them oh we got some vain brothers in there too I, <laughs> yeah brother way back when you get 80 you see the wrinkles amen when you got wrinkles at 80 and got the spirit of 30 you got problems you'll get it after a while Who did Christ die for? I just got to hear uh, Franklin Graham on his commercial telling you who Christ died for. And if you'll accept Jesus, John 3, 16, pray this prayer. I'm a sinner and I save you with my sins. Then you're saved. Go to some church and talk to somebody. As we said over and over and over, we're not Baptists. That does not get you there. That will not place you in the holiest of all. It will not get you in the Feast of Tabernacles. It will not... Give you an evidence or an assurance that your name is on the book. 
Most people that comes to church today are warring in their minds against God because they do not want to do what they think, what they think, everybody say what they think, what they think God requires of them to do. They don't want to do what they think God requires them to do. What does God require of anyone to have eternal life? Believe that I am He. Jesus said, believe that I am He. If you don't believe I am He, you'll die in your sins. All right, so we'll get that in a few minutes as the evidence. Watch. Who did Christ die for? As we said, John 3, 16 last week, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth upon him should not perish but have everlasting life. They stop right there. And if you stop right there, everybody on earth is under the atonement. Everybody on earth is saved. There's no sin. No sin is laid to anybody's charge. The devil is going to heaven. Everybody in the end will be saved. That's universalism, which a large majority of people believe that. Whosoever men, whosoever, they like that because that guess who. So a preacher uses that scripture and has the ability to work on your emotions to talk you into and try to convince you to accept something that your mind don't want to accept. And they try to trick you in your emotions uh, to say a prayer or to walk down the altar or to do something to accept Christ as your Savior. That is not the atonement. That would be potentially atonement. I do not believe in a potential atonement. I believe in a full atonement to me. Limited atonement to whosoever will. I don't believe Hitler was one of the whosoever's. Brother Brown, when he read that, he said, well, Brother Brown, the Bible said, whosoever will. He said, yeah, but you've got to have a will to come, to come. Who gives you a will to come? Where did you get the will to come? See, you've got to have a will to come. We call that conviction. How many are truly convicted today to come and accept the simple message that Jesus Christ paid the price of sin. I've been criticized for 40 years. The sin question has been settled. What's the answer? Jesus Christ. Him death, burial, and God raised him and he lived today and he's among us today as a pillar of fire. Hallelujah. That ought to make a Baptist shout every time. Amen. Our text from last lesson, we said now, in answer to John 3, 16, this is the condemnation. So they say, well, if you're going to put this as the condemnation, you're putting an if or condition on the atonement. And the atonement is unconditional. But the atonement is only unconditional to a specific group of people. <laughs> Watch, that light has come into the world. Now, Jesus said that, and guess who the light was? It was himself. Because he said, I'm the light of the world. 
As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. In other words, revelation of Christ comes to the world in the form of a man. Seven church age messengers. Part, 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 part until the seventh. When the seventh angel comes, Revelation 10.1, which is Christ himself, up in heaven comes and takes the book, opens it, releases the seals, opens the book that now every soul that was redeemed 2,000 years ago can come forth to receive its inheritance of a glorified body. Makes a Pentecostal speaking tongues every time. Where are we, folks? How simple is it to come to this state? They're making it too complicated. This is the condemnation. The light is coming to the world. The revelation of Jesus Christ in a human flesh has come to this generation. Christ, the Word, revelation, church knocking on the door. The Word was outside of the church. Who was they worshiping inside the church in? Who are the Baptists worshiping? Catholics were. There's millions of people in church buildings today worshiping something. God said through a prophet they were worshiping the devil. Thinking through the church that they were approaching God. They are totally deceived. Prayerfully, we are not deceived this morning. Surely you don't want just a covering. You want an eradication of sin out of your life that we can be true believers and walk in the grace of the Word of God. Watch now. John 8, 12 tells us, Then spake Jesus again and said to them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, well, in the John 3, 19, it said, men love darkness. What do they love? At that day, they loved Moses' ritual. They loved church system. Men, people love rituals. They love programs, praise God, anything that we can do, march, bake, sign, bake cake, whatever. They love it. They love it. They love it. They feel good about it. There's nothing wrong with it. We're built that way, but it has nothing to do with salvation. Men love darkness rather than light. In other words, they love, we're under the law of Moses. And we're not going to accept the word of a man. We don't know who you are. Who are you, William Brennan? Who did you make yourself to be? You think God is with you and all the symbols of God and Pentecostals are walking in darkness? He said, you said it, I didn't. He said, come up here and stand beside of me with your tongues evidence and your false baptism and see what happens. Brother Bam said they would have been packed out feet first, but they had more wisdom. He said, no, I thought they did. In other words, do we realize in this hour that God gave us the same privilege of seeing the Spirit of God operate through a human man, talking to us face to face, telling us, and trying to gain favor with us. God is trying to gain favor with us. 
We say, oh, I want to gain favor with God, or I don't want God at all. But God come down and tried to gain favor with us and brought a gift of divine healing and healed sinners, unbelievers, and everybody around the world to gain favor with the elected sons and daughters of God. And we turned him down and spit in his face and kicked him out of the church, period. Now, the same churches that used to hold meetings of Brother Brown got pamphlets out. Oh, he preached serpent seed. He was against women. He didn't, wasn't a Trinitarian. He wasn't this. He wasn't that. He was a false prophet. They have blasphemed the Holy Ghost and sealed their destination. I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. And shall have the light of life. So where does divine healing come? It comes from the light of the Word of God because life is in the Word. When you're hearing the Word, which is light to the soul, that is energetic power. It's more than atomic power. It's supernatural power. Whatever God is, that's a part of it. And He feeds that little dynamo down here. And it gets so pulsating that it heals everything around it. And it'll get to the place that it will absolutely take over your spirit and heal this mortal body and change it to immortality. It will bring it right back to its youth again. So we see a condition here, according to Jesus, that we must walk in the light of the hour or the revealed Word of God. John 8, 24. I said unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am He. How are we going to make it? If you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sins. So your whole restoration is, or redemption is resting on Jesus Christ. Why would Jesus say you shall die in your sins if their sins had been paid for by His blood? I'm bringing it on down to us. And he said, oh, that was before Calvary. But it, he, he was the answer for Calvary. They're the ones that crucified Him. They're the ones that put Him on the cross. So therefore, as soon as he shed his blood, the ones that persecuted him should have repented and received him. Because if his blood remitted sins, then their sins was gone. How, how could they not receive him? Then what on the day of Pentecost, when they realized that they had killed the Messiah, that he was the true Messiah, his blood was the sacrifice, then we'll get to the question, what must I do to be saved? And we'll get that just in a minute, watch, because we'll understand how do you get to atonement today and go beyond it? Because in 1962 and 63, Brother Brown appointed you to atonement. He pointed you to the trumpet, his message. Is this my new message? What more? Is this the one? Sir, is this the time? Then he moved past the seals. And after the seal, by 1963 and 4, he began to look back to the atonement and place you over here beyond the atonement in the Feast of Tabernacles and told you the next thing is two prophets to Israel and it's over. Recognize your day and his message. Is the whole key. Watch now. Second Thessalonians. Uh, uh, well, let's let's look at this warning here. I, I got this down right here. In Isaiah 53, 11 to 12, it said, "He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many? How many is God going to justify? Many. Not all. Here's a limited atonement now. Not limited in its power." Limited into who? For he shall bear their iniquities. Whoever this many is, Jesus took their iniquities away. 
Whoever this many is, he shed his blood for their sins. Whoever these many is, he healed them by his stripes on his back. On and on, we'll get to that in a minute. Therefore will I divide in him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. In other words, he, was, he inherited half the Father's kingdom. Then he in, in, uh, divided that spoil with us, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. What was the answer? Ransom for sin? His soul. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, not everybody, many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Second Thessalonians 1.7 brings it over here today. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now there, Brother Brown brought in the cloud. He brought in the story of the angels coming down, telling him to go back to Jeffersonville for the revelation of the seven seals. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. Now here's the, uh, here's the, I indict this generation. All these things are coming up on this generation. We have went through this filter, and now the true bride is placed over here in a position. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. Recognize your position, where you are in the plan of God. Don't try to worry about back here. Try to work through the process to make sure you're over here resting in what God has done and told us. We're only waiting. Watch. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence or the perusal of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Oh, I don't believe that perusal stuff. Then you got trouble. Verse 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints. When did he come to be glorified in his saints? At the opening of the seven seals. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Amen. Is it, is it past tense? All right, then recognize where you're at then. Where are we in this progression? He shall be come to glorify in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. Because what? Because because our testimony among you was believed in this day. They didn't believe it in that day. But there's some that's going to believe it in this day. What are they going to believe? They're going to believe that Jesus was the perfect atonement answer for sin. Sin must be removed from the mind of God. Because we cannot fellowship with Him, walk with Him, reign with Him, and worship Him, and live under Him in the millennium with any sin. And you'll never be glorified without the removal of sin. All right, let me step on down here. So therefore, I said, watch. If you read John 1, to as many as believed, He gave them authority or the right to become children of God. Speaking of, actually speaking, see, we don't become sons by doing something. The Bible said, because you are sons, God sent forth His Spirit into your heart, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. So your soul was a son of God from the eternity all the way back. You didn't fall and become an elephant and then got restored back to something else. Your soul come from God or it didn't. Oh, man, that's the sticker. Watch. 
So we gave them the authority to become children of God. I look at that as speaking of adoption. Because when the Spirit comes to you, it actually places you as a son into the revealed Word or part of the body that you're living. The Spirit of adoption absolutely places you in the revealed Word for your day. So you don't look back to Luther, Wesley, or even Pentecost now. You look at where you are at today in God's plan, and we are in the Feast of Tabernacles, the seventh complete feast. We are now made perfect. Whew. That's quite a confession, but that's what's got to come forward. Watch now. So he places sons, for because we are sons, he, uh, we cry out our Father. Not, it's not the will of man or the will of the flesh. But it's Ephesians 2. By grace or election are you saved through faith, but not, not of yourselves. And in 1 Corinthians 1.30, it is through Jesus Christ that you are in Christ, or by him you are in Christ. Now, for whom did Christ die? That's the whole answer. Did he die a death that is potential salvation? That's what it seems because there's a lot of people come to church. I know I'm taking too long. I want to get over here where it's real important. They come to church. They go through the formality, and then they don't make it. They fizzle out, and they begin to, not nothing to me, and here they go. What happened then? The Bible tells you one thing, and you do it, and all of a sudden you're out back as a renegade. What happened? What caused that? Okay, let's look at the answer. How did you get to the atonement? How do you get through the atonement? How do you get over here into the seventh feast? How do we get under the feast of eternity? The eternal one. Not the eighth day now, but by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you get into this seventh day where time and eternity come together or meet. In actuality, we have passed out of time into eternity. Now, I know there's a doctrine going out there, and I'm not preaching that. But by revelation, we have moved out of time into eternity because the seventh feast or rest is not a part of time. It's a part of immortality and eternity. Time shall be no longer delayed. And what I get out of that is what? The Passover lamb, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, runs out. Without the Passover lamb, the blood, without the day of atonement, sins be remitted, baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're not going to get into the Feast of Tabernacles. How do I get into this position of rest before Almighty God? All right, let's look at it. Real quick, now I'm going to take a little on. In Acts 2, and this is a part of the seventh seal, because Brother Bram, after the seals opened, he brought this back to here, and he preached the revelation that those that were baptized must be rebaptized. Are you following me now? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, or your baptism will not get you into what he called his message or the message of the hour. Watch. So when Peter preached that these Jews, he brought the whole accusation of crucifixion upon the Jews, which was necessary to fulfill Scripture. 
this accusation and the proof of it falls upon the Jews and brings forth Acts 2.37. Verse 37 said, Now when they heard this, when they heard about Jesus being the atonement, when they heard that he was the Messiah, when they heard that they have crucified the Lord of glory, that he was that lamb, he was their answer, they said, then what must we do because we have turned down our atonement? Is there something that we can do since we killed the Lord of glory? Because Paul said over here in 1 Corinthians, if they knew that he was the Lord of glory, they never would have crucified him. Was now when they heard this, P Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, they were pricked in their hearts. Now, to me, there's where we're failing today, or we haven't seen this happen for quite a while. Maybe 30, 40, 50 years now. In other words, when they hear the gospel, they were pricked in their heart, or they come under conviction. People usually come to church and go to the water because they want to get married, or they want to be accepted, or they think that's what they need to do. And there's no conviction there by hearing the gospel. Nine out of ten candidates go to the water and don't have a clue what it means. And most preachers don't explain to them what it means. That he said, you've got to be baptized to be saved. And they argue the point that it's not titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, it's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the big argument. If you're baptized in titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, ever preaching the message that, well, you've got to be rebaptized and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's water baptism. That's the answer. But that's not the answer. I ask why? What is it going to do for me? Why must I be rebaptized or why must I be baptized at all? If baptism is essential to get me from my state that I'm in, to another state over here, then I need to know what and why God said, you're this, and now then by this, you're this. You understand? Amy understands what I'm saying. So we see, number one, Peter said, repent. They were pricked in their hearts, what the Bible said, and they were pricked in their hearts. In other words, they come under conviction of hearing the Word of God. That Jesus was the Messiah and they killed him. They wasn't sorry for their sins. They were convicted of their sins. Godly sorrow worketh to repentance, not to be repented of. You can be sorry you got caught. Oh, I'm sorry I got caught and I repent. That's not it. Godly sorrow worketh repentance, a total change of mind. That you don't go back and steal, lie, and cheat no more. You change your mind. Something happens. So number one, if you want to move from a sinner to rest under the Feast of Tabernacle, there has to be a conviction. You've got to want something. And you've got to understand that you must need something. It's not what you do. That's not going to get it done. The question is, will God receive me? Hallelujah. 
Lord, I come. Will you receive me? Not will you receive Jesus. <laughs> He's not worried about you receiving him. We ought to be rewarded. Will he receive us? The preachers puts it out here with the power with the people. Won't you receive, receive Jesus? Don't you love him? Don't look at the price he paid. Don't you feel sorry for him? You don't feel sorry for Jesus. I'm glad he died on Calvary. Because that blood redeemed me out of the pawn shop of sin. It set me free. It done something for me that I can never do myself. And the revelation of that changes something inside of me. Amen. Repent, number two. What do you mean repent, Brother Greg? Come to the altar and confess that I'm rotten? No, we all know you're rotten. There's not a one of us that hadn't done everything. Brother Branham on his way to hell, he said, uh, Father, forgive me, I never committed adultery. That's the only thing he could think of. We're all guilty of everything. There's hardly anything that we hadn't done. This generation, whew, horrible. What does repentance mean? Not to confess your sins to a priest or someone. But it means that you've got to come to a complete change of mind about sin. You've got to change your thinking about sin. Sin. Until the sin question is settled, we're sinners. We miss the mark every day. Then what's going on if we miss the mark and we're still perfect? That's the reason people don't believe it. The Jews turned it down. The church has turned it down. They just don't believe the atonement took care of the sin question. Therefore, they're guilty in their minds. They're guilty in their confession. What comes out of the abundance of the heart, you finally you end up doing. You pray the problem. Oh, God, I've got a headache. Cure me of this headache. You confess the problem. You don't pray the problem. You pray the answer. Are you following me now? Father, I have been redeemed from this disease by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ at Calvary. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, I come against this disease, this problem, this deliverance, by knowing that I am totally redeemed and I have a power, I have a name that this problem must bow to in the name of Jesus, my Lord. We've got to pray the answer, not the problem. Watch now. I'm taking too long, but let's get to this. Number two, you must repent. Repent means change the mind completely about Jesus being the atonement for sin, not partial atonement, not just a covering, not something to get you working in a direction. But it took care of the sin problem. You're not worrying about the sin problem. You're not struggling trying to be good, trying not to sin, trying not to get drunk. 
trying not to quit smoking, trying all these things that the preacher says as to it, you are free from sin by faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. Have I always preached that? No. When I was younger and had more wind and more oxygen, I could preach two hours and label everything that was a sin from playing dominoes to putting something on your t-shirts. Amen. Third step, water baptism. Does water baptism become more important than knowing who Brother Branham is? Yeah. Because you're not going to know who Brother Branham is and what God's doing until you go through this conviction, this changing of the mind, and water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that identifies you as a son and daughter of God, a believer. Then what happens? Number four, baptism with the Holy Ghost, bearing witness that they were believers in Christ, the atonement. Karen, y'all want to come? I'll get through this real quick. I've always said if you go to the water correctly, you'll receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost shortly or while you're standing in the water. When the elders pray, lay hands upon you to receive the Holy Ghost, you'll receive it at that time or in the near future. But when you come up out of the water, knowing that you're under the atonement and your sins are gone, you should from that point forward believe, reach forward, confess, Think about nothing except receiving the witness or the baptism of the Holy Ghost that the blood has been applied to your soul. So then the Word manifested in flesh came, and we were to repent or change our minds about what we used to believe. Most of us were Trinitarians. A lot of us was oneness. The Trinitarians had to change their minds. The oneness had to change their minds. Because both schools of thought are wrong. Jesus is not his own father. Jesus is the son of God by creation in the womb of a virgin. There's not three gods, which is idolatry. Jesus is not one of three. Jesus is the son of God. Amen. There's only one God who is our father. So we changed our mind about the scriptures. We looked at the vindicated authority, or the Jews looked at the vindicated authority of Jesus and believed it. We looked at the vindicated authority of the prophet, which was Omega ministry of Jesus, proving that this man had authority to speak, and God backed it up, and we believed what he said. So when the Omega came in the flesh in this hour and was vindicated that he had the authority God backed him up. When we changed our mind about the world, the systems, and everything else, and denominationalism was of the devil, we had a hard time with the mark of the beast and all those things, politics, governments, he lined it all up, put it in the Word of God, placing us out here separated from the world, from the organizations, from everything except the Word. We're very unique people, privileged, protected, I don't know if anybody in here got sick from this virus yet. I don't know of anybody. But there's message churches and churches around the world now that's getting sick and closing down because they're getting sick. 
I listened to a Baptist preacher this morning. And he said, well, we all wear masks. I don't, I don't know. I guess it's all right if you all wear masks, but it'd be kind of funny. I see all of y'all as masked bandits out there. I couldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell whether you're asleep, believed it or not. So, so what happens to the candidate? Three positions. Listen carefully. Number one, you accept, number one, that you are in a position of a guilty sinner, which is now before God. Number two, you accept his pardon presently, identifying himself with God's own remedy and the forgiveness of sins by water baptism. Number three, you reach into the near future to receive the Holy Ghost. That's past, present, and future. Placing you and bringing you into the hour, this hour, the Feast of Tabernacles, in little booths, little covering, little small groups here, worshiping God, the joy of the Holy Spirit rejoice. Now then, we're under this protection of the sevenfold shedding of the blood. Jesus shed his blood seven times. I think I put it in your notes. and we, We've been through it in a study. The seven sheddings of the blood, and we'll close. If I've got it here, wrote down somewhere through all the quotes and whatever more that we got, several pages there. I think I went through it. First shedding of the blood was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed and, and struggled with his own will of not going to the cross. When he finally said, not my will, thy will be done. There, by the shedding of the blood, he conquered and redeemed our wills to serve God. Number two, by his stripes we were healed, he redeemed our health. Number three, the thorns on his head won back our prosperity. Four, his pierced hands won dominion over what we touch. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Number five, his feet pierced, gave us dominion over the places that we walk. That's where he said, wherever you place the soles of your feet, I'll give it to you. Number six, his heart was pierced, returned to us our joy in the Holy Ghost. That your joy may be full. How many got full joy this morning? Amen. His bruises gave us our deliverance from inner hurts and iniquities, and by the shedding of the blood to the death of the soul, he gave his soul as the price for sin and went to hell and paid that price when God was satisfied and raised him up and redeemed us that the atonement in its fullness to you who believe is absolutely perfect. There's no potential. There's no condition. There's no ifs, ands about it. But if you ever understand what he done, I totally believe that the conviction of your heart will totally change everything about you. You will have no more desire for sin. Amen? Desire for sin. Will we make mistakes? Every day. Would you stand with us more? If we will make mistakes? Every day. Will we fall short of a full adopted son? Yes, every day. But we have faith in a confession that I stand perfect in the presence of Almighty God. What's that, what's that last song we're saying? It's not over, Amen. It's not over till it's over, and I think we'll fight this battle for a little while. The world's in a turmoil today. I don't like to get on politics, but I think I'll run for governor. You've got to have something to do in your old age. So I think I'll run from governor, I'm going to run on the platform, no sales tax. Or to hear a problem, amen on that. No property tax. No school tax. Put all the tax on cigarettes, booze, nightclubs, 
whiskey. Put all the tax on those things. They're not commendable. I'm going to force you to believe. And I'm going to force you to be a Christian. Because if you think just getting rid of everything that you like to do is a Christian, you're totally deceived. Amen. Receive the answer. Come to the revelation of this hour. Who you are. What Jesus has done for you. That is completely finished. And by faith are we saved by the election of Almighty God. And your joy shall be full. It's not over till it's over. Not until the trumpet sounds. Woo! Any beliefs this morning? Hold our ground. You want to turn around and shake hands with somebody? And give Canada a wave up there this morning. We thank everybody in Canada for viewing the service today. We are to be the most happy people on earth. Well, it's not over till it's over. Hey, it feels good today. Come on. Oh, I feel delivered. I feel free in Christ. Till it's over Not until Well, it's not over Till it's over Glory to God Safely hold our ground Amen. Loves the Lord over here on this side this morning. Glory to God. How you doing, Brother Dennis? You doing all right? Amen. Loves the Lord over here on this side this morning. Glory to God. Not until the trumpet sounds. Oh, let's sing it. Praise God. Amen. Oh, it's not over till it's over. safe hold our ground it's not over till it's over not until the trumpet sound amen amen praise the lord The last trump of God has sounded for us. The trumpet has sounded. According to 1 Corinthians 15, at the last trump, the last gospel trumpet has sounded. Amen. The next trump under the sixth seal, which I believe the sixth seal is open, the trumpets begin to sound to Israel under two prophets. Brother Branham pointed us toward the atonement, 
until the seals was open. After the seals was open, he pointed us and recognized our day in his message and placed us in the Feast of Tabernacles under the finished work of Christ, totally sealed in, redeemed as the purchased, sanctified body of Christ. There's where he placed the bride and made herself ready. Then he pointed us forward to the two prophets in his last few messages, future home, feast of the trumpet, recognized today in his message. And those sermons pointed you forward using the feast as a type that the next would be the trumpets. And the seventh trumpet to Israel is the same as the seventh seal to the Gentiles. And it was prophets bringing the message of atonement of Jesus Christ to the church and to 144,000. The two prophets will preach the atonement because the Jews have been under the Feast of Pentecost all this time. They will sound a trumpet to gather the people, 144,000. They will manifest signs and wonders to gain authority or show the people they have authority to speak the word. Then they will reveal Jesus Christ as the atonement to Israel. They got two atonements, atonement for sin and atonement for mourning. They will go to their houses. The Bible said they will mourn and mourn because they'll understand this one whom they crucified was no more than the Messiah that they have rejected and had their minds set against for 2,000 years. Amen. So where are we? The politics is coming to its climax. The mark of the beast is in the making. We see it among us. You see how they can force you not to buy or sell. We have a spirit in the land. They're forcing people to change statues, change speech, change this, change everything. And anything that you do opposite, they want to shut you down, arrest you, and put you in jail. The couple that had their gun to keep the people, that crowd, from coming into their home. They went and arrested them, took their rifles, and put them in jail for a crime. They didn't arrest the people that are going to destroy their homes. So we got a constitutional crisis. They call them Marxism. They call them all the things, but it's no more than the spirit of Catholicism. How many knows that Catholicism is communism dressed up in a robe? Never where Catholicism takes over. Marxism and uh, Catholicism takes over, then communism, Marxism follows, called the socialist form of government. And America is completely controlled today. Our government, our Supreme Court, our lawyers, and I think everybody up there besides, besides Trump, really, the president, is under the total control of the Catholic Church. That's the reason you see all the chaos. It's the church. Behind all of this, it's, it's communism. And it's going to be religion or communism dressed up in sanctimonious. We're going to do you better. We're going to take care of you. We're going to provide you bread or whatever more. And this. So we're in that hour of perfection. I'm looking for a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our faith, our confession. That sweet spirit of Christ will move among us. Every person in the building will be healed. And we'll shout and rejoice, and then we'll go away into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. So God bless every one of you this morning. We love you. We pray for you. But remember what? There's only one atonement for sin. 
That's your faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. Amen. Take him as your Savior. Make him your Lord. Confess him out of your mouth and see that the Word of God doesn't do what it says he's going to do. All right. We can be dismissed as you sing. Well, it's not